0: Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. Podland is sponsored by Riverside.fm. Recording podcasts and video interviews in studio quality just got an upgrade and an iOS app. And by Buzzsprout, used by over 100,000 podcasters like us to host, promote and track your podcast. It's the 16th of September 2021. I'm James Cridlin, the editor of podnews.net here in Queensland in Australia. The home of the Olympics in 2032.
1: Yes. I'm Sam Sethi, the MD of River Radio, podcast first radio station here in the UK.
2: My name is Oscar Mary. I'm the CEO of Fountain and I'll be on the show later talking about the Fountain app, creating clips from podcasts and supporting your favorite podcast through the value-for-value standard.
3: I'm Alex Jacobi from Germany. I'm an audio entrepreneur and I'm the founder of Sonabird.io, a podcast hosting and production uh, software as a service company. And I'll be on the show today to talk about our idea to make podcast analytics data portable with the open podcast analytics format.
0: Gosh, he sounds excited. Yes, they will. Podland is a weekly podcast where Sam and I delve deeper into the week's podcasting news. So, James, let's get on with the big stories. But
1: we have to go back to last week's first. Oh, have we upset anybody? Uh, I think we have. And, and not the person you should upset, really. The
0: podfather himself is really upset with us. And the podbro.
1: i be excited. is he the pod bro or the pod
0: mother? Well, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that later in Boostergram <laughs> Corner. It's the return of Boostergram Corner this week. But uh, yes, so what what happened last week and uh, who's got upset? So last
1: week we had Valerie Wirtschafter from the Brookings Institution talking about misinformation in podcasts. Adam Curry and Dave Jones started Podcasting 2.0, their wonderful podcast, episode 53, if you're looking for it. uh, And they went on a 20-minute rant about me and you, James. Yes, and and I think about Valerie
0: as well. Um, Sam, where did you grow up? I grew up in the UK in a little place called Loughborough. We should probably start any conversation around governments and censorship and everything else by just saying that we both have grown up in Western Europe. And typically you trust government in Western Europe. They pay for our health care. They set rules to keep us safe. And I went and did a little bit of research with Pew Research. And they say that 50% of people in the UK are happy with government, and that goes right down to 35% in the US. And also we have different broadcast rules too, and uh, those are important as well. So what Valerie was talking about last time was very much talking about misinformation in podcasting and there being no way to report that. Well, here's a little clip of Dave and Adam uh, talking
3: about that. If you have a problem with potentially false information on another podcast, go start a podcast. Play clips. Talk about how wrong it is. Give your opinion to counter their opinion. It's the way the internet works. It's actually the way um people
2: are used to working. It's the way things work in society. It's like I, you know, I have an opinion, I disagree, someone else can say, "Hey, he said this." And, and you know, it's it's called discourse. It's called intellectual intercourse.
0: And I think that clip highlights what I think the confusion is here, because Dave was talking about somebody having an opinion, and opinions are great. And I can have a wrong opinion, and and you, Sam, can have a wrong opinion occasionally. I was going to say often. (laughs) So nobody is stopping people having opinions. I think there is a big difference between something presented as an opinion and something presented as a fact. And when I listened to Valerie's uh, interview with you uh, last week, uh, Sam, she was talking about misinformation, something that is presented as fact that is wrong and harmful to others is a bad thing. So I think she was saying, as it stands, podcast hosts don't know that they have harmful content on their system. And I'm talking deliberately about harmful content, not a wrong opinion, but harmful content, because most podcast apps give you no way to tell a podcast host about it. And in fact, most podcast apps don't even tell you who the podcast host is. How do you know whether this show is being hosted by Buzzsprout or by Libsyn or by Red Circle or by Captivate or anybody else? You know, nobody, you can't really tell from your particular podcast app. So... I think what Valerie was talking about was better reporting tools so that a podcast host knows what stuff they have on their platform. And if they want to, they can take action. And if they don't want to take action, then that's absolutely fine as well. Um, But I think that's what she was uh, talking about. Uh, Sam, what did you take out of that? I tend to agree. I love this quote.
1: Opinions are like a-holes. Everyone has one. They just think each other stinks. So the idea is that you can have an opinion all day long. What we're saying, James, is when it crosses that line into misinformation and is stated as a fact, that's when we think there's a problem. And we think that people who are listeners should be able to use the wisdom of the crowd to report that back to the host. And as you said, James, it's up to the host then what they do from there. We're not asking for censorship. We're not asking for deplatforming. That is then a particular situation that the host can deal with. And more likely than not, that will end up with a you know somebody suing someone taking them to court and then eventually the host having to take it down if it is at that level but uh, no, Adam, Dave, we're not asking for government control. We're not asking for censorship, and we're not asking for deplatforming. Mm. We're just asking for better tools, mm. and I think that's a good start.
0: You gave me a link to some tweets from Nicki Minaj, who I believe is a popular uh, is a popular music singer <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> on your playlist every day, James. Yes, uh, absolutely. So Nicki Minaj, yeah, is is a famous rap singer. She's got 157 million. Followers on Instagram and 22.6 million followers on Twitter. She put out a tweet this week. Now, that could have been a podcast, and it's the, the idea or the concept's exactly the same. She put out a tweet saying, mm. My cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now, the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it. Mm. Uh, make sure you're comfortable with your decision. Now, that's total misinformation. That has been debunked by all the medical people saying that is not the case that's resulted from the vaccine. Mm. Um, but she is such an influencer that it's actually resulted in the black community, men, deciding not to go and get the vaccine. Now, that's causing a
0: lot of problems, people to actually put themselves in harm's way. she's delivered that as fact, hasn't she? That uh, the vaccine causes you to become impotent, which is clearly not the case. And there is no medical evidence to that whatsoever. And I think that's the thing. It's stuff like that, which will harm our listeners. And and by the way, I don't think this has got anything to do with advertisers. People support things that are good, that treat them well. And value for value also fails if we do a rubbish show. If we give out bad information, we treat our audiences badly. I don't think it's anything to do with advertisers. I think it's just doing the right thing for your audience. What I found interesting in that episode of Podcasting 2.0 was right at the end, either Adam or Dave, I can't remember who, said that Podcast Index removes shows from their directory if the content on them is illegal. So the government sets the law. So there's actually even no freedom of speech, even in the podcast index. So we're all talking about the same thing here. We're doing the right thing by our audience. And we're making sure that misinformation, stuff which is harmful, doesn't get there. And I think that's all good. I think we're all on the same side, actually, here. Yes, we are. We are, we are totally on the same side. So so I guess one of the ways of, you know, just uh, alerting a podcast host To knowing that they have something which is bad on their network is perhaps to use things like clips.
1: Yeah. So, what I did this week was I caught up with Oscar Merry. He's the CEO and uh, founder of Fountain, which is a wonderful new podcasting app which includes clips. Now, he uses clips to allow listeners to uh, take the transcription, a bit like Descript, and highlight the bit that you want to share with people. And that's a positive for discovery as we'll find out but also we were thinking that that could be used as a great tool in ergo what valerie's asking for i called up with oscar and i asked him more about fountain and
2: what is it fountain is a podcast app and it allows you to create and share clips from the favourite moments in the podcast you're listening to. As well as this, you can also support your favourite podcasts with Bitcoin through the Podcasting 2.0 value-for-value value standard.
1: Why did you want to build Fountain yourself? Why didn't you just go and use another app?
0: Let's just take a quick break. Welcome to High Street Matters, a regular podcast from BIRA, the British Independent Retailers Association. My name's Steve Dyson, and I'm a journalist who's interviewing top business owners and experts here at BIRA about issues which impact independent retailers today. We'll be talking to a cross-section of our members from around the UK, from single retail outlets to small chains, and from large department stores to leisure and hospitality. We plan to provide top tips to help businesses stay ahead of the retail curve. High Street Matters. Thanks for listening.
2: I think the core problem that we set out to address with Fountain was around the personal problem that I've had with podcasting, which is often I'll look at my podcast feed and I'll have so many episodes that I want to listen to, but I just don't have the time. I'll have a two-hour episode here an hour and a half episode there and there's just no way I can get to all of the episodes and I know I'm missing out on some incredible content and so we thought how can we address that problem that's why we set out to build the clipping feature because we believe that in the same way podcasters will take what they believe to be the best bit of their episode turn it into an audiogram and share that on social media. We believe there's an opportunity for listeners to do the same thing. So that's what we've built into Fountain. You can create a clip from the actual transcript, which makes creating that clip much easier. And then you can share that clip as an audiogram, both within Fountain, because we have social features, um, so you can follow people and see what clips they're creating. But also importantly, you can share those clips outside of Fountain um, as audiograms. So you can share them on Twitter or Instagram or, or wherever, really. You can send them in a in a WhatsApp message as well.
1: Which is really cool, which is one of the features I've been asking for ages from podcast apps because I have the same requirement. Is I've got to the interesting part of a podcast, and I want to share that with a friend. But I don't want to just share it as T equals 25 seconds or two minutes in. I want it to take that little bit of clip, give it to them and have a link back to the podcast. That would be you know, the thing that will get them to be excited just about coming back to listen just as much as I was about sharing
2: it. Exactly. And it's really interesting in the past few months um, since we've had this feature live, you get a window into your friends and, and family and their podcast listening, which wasn't really possible before. And I found that really interesting, just hearing small snippets of podcasts that I would never listen to. But that doesn't mean I don't get value from... An eclipse, or just it's interesting to see what people are listening to.
1: Now, when I downloaded Fountain the other day, I tried to install a Lightning wallet and hand out Satoshis. I'm fairly technical, like clearly not as technical as you or James, but I sort of hit a brick wall. Can you explain to me how, as an end user, I would actually use value for value and how I would buy Satoshis?
2: So it's definitely a challenge right now, and it's still very early with uh, value for value and Lightning payments. But to, to put it simply, right now, in order to fund your Fountain Lightning wallet, you need to already have this on the Lightning network in another app because we don't currently allow you to buy Bitcoin within Fountain. So the way I top up my wallet, and this is probably the easiest way right now, is I use a Bitcoin Lightning wallet called Blue Wallet. Mm -hmm. And I will actually uh, buy Bitcoin within Blue Wallet. You can do that just with a debit or credit card. And then once that's confirmed, I will send the Satoshis from my Blue Wallet back into Fountain. And then I'm ready to go supporting other podcasts that I love.
1: Now, is there a plan in in the future for you to actually then directly buy fiat currency to Satoshi through Fountain?
2: So I think we definitely want to make it as easy as possible for people to get their Bitcoin, get their sats within Fountain. I think we'll have to see how the space develops because I think we've got an advantage here. The adoption of Bitcoin and Lightning is not just happening within podcasting. It's happening across the board. And so people are going to become more familiar with Bitcoin, more familiar with Lightning app uh, wallets. Uh, And so we've got this on our side. And whether it's us offering the ability to buy Bitcoin directly in the app or some kind of integration with a wallet, like if you look at wallets like Strike in the US or there's UK equivalents and, and others around the globe, I think we definitely want to make it easier for people to get their first stats on Fountain. The exact method of how we we'll do that is, is still TBC.
1: How long's Fountain been
2: going? So we've been live on iOS and Android for six weeks. So we still appreciate all of the users that have stuck with us in this early time and reported bugs and, and asked for feature requests. This is something that we love to hear and that we're every... Requests that we get, we stick on the backlog and we're working hard to implement all of these features. We've actually got a big new update coming that I think will be live on iOS and Android by the time this goes out, which has a bunch of bug fixes. So if you've reported a bug to Fountain, it's probably fixed in this update. If not, let me know. So please keep the bug reports coming and the feature requests coming. We also have support for chapters, which is something that another podcasting 2.0 feature that people love and we'll have support for that in in the next update as well
1: Are there are other features that you're updating in the next version
2: this update primarily was about performance and bug fixes and there's a huge long list yeah. in the release notes that you'll see around things that people have reported so we'll release that
1: On your roadmap, because I'm sure you have one, every good developer has a roadmap. Is there a feature that's on your wish list that you want to bring in? I know it might not come in in the next version, but is there something that you go, this is the one thing I really want to get, but you haven't quite got there yet?
2: So for me, creating clips is a really exciting part of Fountain and more people to create clips. And one barrier to that right now is the transcription. So just to explain how the clipping works, for people that haven't tested out Fountain, we allow you to create a clip from the transcript. So rather than selecting uh, a start time and an end time for the segment that you want, we'll actually show you the transcript and you can edit the text and then we will edit the audio for you afterwards. And this just makes it much easier to hold the context of what the clip's about in your head and think about how other people will listen to it. And, And we found that makes it, Easier to create better quality clips. So, obviously, we need the transcript of each episode. And one of the things that we struggled with is a lot of podcasts have dynamic ad insertion, which means that the timestamp of the transcript that you might get will be different to the one I get because we'll have different length ads at the beginning or at the end. So, right now, when you create a clip, we do a custom transcript for you so that you have accurate timing information. And this means that there's a delay in the transcript being available about two to three minutes. So once you get used to found it, it's fine, because when you hear something that you want to create a clip of, you just hit the transcript button, you hit the clip button, and it's going to be there in two to three minutes. But obviously, especially for new users checking out Fountain for the first time. That's a bit of a barrier because it's annoying to have to wait for two to three minutes. So I think we're we're working on a way to have the transcript available instantly, which will mean you can create clips instantly. And that for me is a really important update because I think it will just increase the amount of clips being created. And that's a core part of what we're trying to do at Fountain.
1: Is this your full-time job now, creating Fountain?
2: So I'm working on Fountain full-time.
1: Brilliant. What else have you seen in the podcast world that's exciting? What else have you seen that you thought, this is good, this is cool?
2: So I think I have to just give a shout out to Adam and Dave from Podcasting 2.0, because they are just, they've created some incredible features for podcasting. I'm sure your listeners know, are getting everyone incredibly excited about where podcasting is going. And I think There's even more coming down the line from podcasting 2.0. I think things like the ability to have a live episode and allow apps to detect that and show a different UI because that episode is actually streaming live and things like that. Shout out to Adam and Dave. I think the features that they're working on and proposing are going to be really exciting.
1: Brilliant. Oscar, remind everyone where they can get the Fountain app.
2: So you can go to fountain.fm and download Fountain on iOS and Android. And if you have any feedback or feature requests, or you just want to talk about podcasting, or Bitcoin, feel free to email me. At, my email is oscar.fountain.fm.
0: Oscar Merry Oscar from uh, the Fountain app. It's a very good one. If you're listening, uh, press that boost button uh, and that would be a wonderful thing. I also notice, talking about sharing clips, as Oscar was at the beginning of that, that um, Buzzsprout has had visual sound bites for the last nine months or so, and uh, they are very cool, part of the podcast namespace, and uh, they work very fine. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about uh, visual sound bites, you'll find more information around that in the Buzzsprout uh, website.
1: Yeah, I think uh, clips, the way that Oscar described them, are a great way for discovery, and he's creating a search element around them as well. So, Maybe somebody just wants to take a clip from this podcast, share it, and then that allows the person they've shared it with to go, oh, well, that was a great clip. I wonder if the rest of the podcast is worth listening to. The visual soundbites that Buzzsprout have are a creator top-down tool. So you and I, James, could create a visual soundbite, uh, others call them audiograms, and use that for our social media promotion. Great way of doing it. What Oscar's done is created this from the listener point of view. And again, uh-huh. I think what's possible and what Buzzsprout are starting to do, which is why I think imitation is a serious form of flattery, is they, a couple of weeks ago we described them, that you can now put a link to a certain specific time point in an episode as a listener and share that with your social network or just some close friends if Buzzsprout extended the visual soundbites tool they have for creators and made that available to listeners, then as a listener, I could actually create a visual soundbite, which is exactly what Oscar merry's Mary's clips are. Yeah, And yeah. I could then actually then share that as an audiogram or a soundbite from the listener perspective. Again, I think what we are advocating for is that the last 12 months, you know, Adam and Dave have done a great job with the namespace of bringing what I call top down tools. So, extending the namespace with uh, location and hosting and other tools that, you know, make the podcast much more richer. But what I think we're at the point in podcasting now is to create bottom up architectural tools. So, listener based tools.
0: Oscar's adding clips for, discovery Mm.
1: and i think buzzsprout could extend that as well
0: yeah and i think listener-based tools as well in terms of boostergrams obviously where we get to hear back from our audience and also and i know that uh, adam and dave and the rest of the podcast 2.0 um, a set of folks are busy working on comments that work across every single podcast app out there, which is a wonderful thing. So uh, all of that kind of stuff is, I think, really useful uh, for as we uh, move on. Okay. And
1: talking about moving on, let's move on to another story. Richard Kramer, he's an analyst for Arete Research. Now, Richard has recently published uh, a article about Spotify, criticising him, saying, taking shows exclusive reduces their reach and attractiveness to advertisers. He goes on to say, few titles are popular enough to bring in new subscribers to offset the loss of ad revenue from greater reach. He thinks that actually it affects the podcast publisher in other ways as well, like event ticket sales, books. So what he's saying, I think, James, maybe you can clarify, is that actually going exclusive with Spotify is not a great idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was part of a client uh, note that he sent out to Arete Research's customers, uh, basically looking into Spotify's uh, current revenue. He has as a big section in there all about podcast exclusivity, a double-edged sword, and points out that actually it, it doesn't necessarily help... Uh, Many creators, Brené Brown, for example, her book sales went down after she went behind Spotify's paywall because her podcast was promoting her books. And all of a sudden, uh, fewer people can actually hear those books. I should say it's not Spotify's paywall. That's what he called it. It's um, just being exclusive on Spotify. You can still have a listen free. That's all fine. But uh, yeah, so he's basically saying that that's not necessarily a good plan. And that really, you know, it works for some shows, but doesn't work for most shows. And marketing teams resent their products being used to bait subscribers. Um, to uh, you know download the Spotify app and so on and so forth. So it, it was quite a um, it's quite a bullish client uh, note. He finishes off by saying we think Spotify needs new management and a new approach. ouch. Um, so I think uh, you know he, he was certainly quite um, quite outspoken in terms of where he sees Spotify going. Yeah
1: he does a great podcast with friend of the show Will Page. Uh, they've got a podcast called Bubble Trouble, and I highly recommend having a listen to that one. Mm. Uh, they're both economists, and they've got a really interesting insight into how this world is working with uh, podcasting and Uh, the music industry.
0: Absolutely. Have a listen now. Don't have a listen in a couple of weeks' time, because I'll be a guest on in a couple of weeks' time, and you'll go, oh, not this guy again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, Richard has agreed to come on to our show as well. Hurrah! uh, Quid pro quo.
0: Indeed. Interestingly enough, I was uh, chatting with him, because I rang up to find out how to pronounce Arete Research, because it's not very obvious when it's uh, written down. And um, we got uh, talking about uh, Spotify and advertisers, As I was talking to him, I realised that wouldn't it be interesting if I could download all of my personal data from Spotify to find out what they know about me? So I ended up doing that. I learned a little bit of information. It was interesting. They they know actually much less about me than I thought that they would. Perhaps that's because I've unticked the button that says uh, I would like uh, bespoke advertising to me, or perhaps it's just because I pay for it so I don't hear any advertising anyway. But I did learn, for example, that Spotify knows that I drive a Toyota car because I've connected my phone to my Toyota's Bluetooth system. Also, Spotify says that I prefer short podcasts. I suspect that this is because I just listened to, to PodNews news on Spotify, just to check that it's there every now and again. So Spotify has obviously gone, well, he clearly doesn't listen very long. <laughs> if you compare what Spotify knows about me with what Google Podcasts knows about me, for example, Google Podcasts knows exactly what I've searched for. Google Podcasts knows exactly what email I get. It can see into my Google Docs, probably. It can, it knows what I've got in YouTube, what I watch uh, there as well. So Google Podcasts has so much more more information than I will ever get from uh, Spotify. So I thought that was, uh, it it was just quite interesting realising that Google and indeed Apple know an awful lot more about me or could know an awful lot more about me than Spotify ever will. So I I always
1: like to apply a so what test to things when, when, when I hear statements. So they know all these things about me, so what? What can they do with it, James?
0: Well, I mean, if they know, for example, that you have kids at home, then that's a great place to advertise uh, kids, um, you know, stuff, toys and uh, kids food and all of that sort of thing. So it all comes down to the advertising. But, you know, is that a bad thing? Well, you know, I would argue probably not, because actually, if I do have kids of four or five at home, Spotify has realised that Spotify is advertising things that my kids of four or five might find good, then that's probably quite useful content. I'm kind of one of these people who most of the time probably wouldn't turn off personalised advertising because I recognise that actually personalised advertising can be quite useful. Yeah, uh,
1: I think I've always said actually in the future, people who can't afford things will not see adverts. But they'll work out what, who we are, how much our income is. And they won't, for example, give you an Aston Martin ad if they don't think you can afford an Aston Martin. I think mm. that old adage of, you know, Ford um, about how much you spend on your advertising and 50% of it you don't know, um, I think we will eventually see targeted advertising actually becoming useful. How are those Viagra ads coming along, James?
0: <laughs> now, now, um, I, I mean, I think uh, I think you're right, but I also think, of course, that if you are comparatively rich, then you will pay to get rid of the ads anyway. Yeah. And I think that's one of the problems that Richard was pointing out to me on the phone, if, um, you know, Spotify premium subscribers are clearly richer than those who are listening to it for free because they can afford the $15 a month or whatever it is to get rid of the ads. Similarly, I get rid of the ads on YouTube um, because I happen to use the YouTube music service and that's what it comes with. So actually, it's going to be quite hard for you to market your Alfa Romeo to to me or your, you know, uh, fancy BMW car uh, to me because, you know, you can- Can't actually get those advertisers, you can't actually get that advertising in front of me um, because, you know, because I've paid to get rid of the ads. So I think that that again is a problem. And I think it's a particular problem that compares quite nicely to, you know, free to air TV or to broadcast radio where you get everybody gets the ads.
1: Would there be a time, James, where dynamic content insertion is injected into podcasts by? the likes of Google, Apple and Spotify against anything that we want? And then will they say, well, to remove the dynamic content ads, you have to pay a further subscription to be ad-free? Do you ever think that will occur?
0: I think that there are two sides to this. One side is, is Google working on a Google AdSense for audio. And the answer is yes, they've been doing that for 15 years and they've never actually got anywhere. Um but uh, I mean I remember going to an NAB Europe conference in Rome in Italy probably 15 years or so ago and there was somebody from Google there who was very excited about their their new AdSense for audio pl- platform which was just around the corner and it never launched. And I think that is clearly something that Google is interested in uh, doing, has always been interested in uh, doing. But on the other side, yeah, I mean, will there be more tiers in Spotify so, you know, you can actually get rid of all of the ads which are being injected into the Joe Rogan podcast or, or something else? Yeah, probably in time, one would assume. My thoughts on, you know, the Google AdSense for audio thing is if we can opt into that, and we can earn money out of that. Maybe not us, but podcasters in general would probably find that quite nice. Um, but at the moment, there's no way of necessarily doing that. But I think anything that um, uh, respects the creator but allows, allows a creator to opt into that sort of thing, I, I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that.
1: Now, uh, Spotify aren't getting off lightly this week. 9 to 5 max says Spotify falls short as a podcast app now What do you think about that, James?
0: Is it a podcast app in any way? Well, they like Apple Music for their music rather than Spotify. And so, you know, you've got that sort of side as well. But I think undoubtedly, the Spotify podcast experience is not a great experience in comparison to a proper podcast app. And there are, you know, more and more of those which do a much better job. Um, You know, Pocket Casts being the obvious, beautiful example. Could Spotify be a, better podcast app? Yes. But on the other hand, it hasn't stopped them from being number one. You know, they are number one in Germany with more than 50% of the podcast audience in uh, Germany. And that's in spite of the fact that their podcast app isn't arguably as good as some other podcast apps. So, you know, perhaps that that's a less of a problem than, uh, than it might be. Well, let's move on. I think we've done enough Spotify bashing this week.
1: I wanted to cover an area that you've been writing about in pod news. Uh, You had three or four stories, actually, uh, looking at how podcasts are moving much more with international languages. The first one you started off was reviewing the Spanish market, James. Uh, looking at how it's grown 6.8 times in the last year.
0: Yes, this is according to Ivooks or iVoox, I believe that they're actually pronounced. I've been pronouncing them Ivooks for the last year and a half and nobody's been um, polite enough to tell me that I'm wrong. But anyway, 55% of Spanish podcast listeners are listening more now than before the pandemic. Uh, It also says, so iVoox, released a bunch of uh, data, which they'd uh, worked on with uh, Charitable and various other people as well. And, um, you know, it's just really interesting seeing data from other countries and seeing how people are consuming podcasts, what they like, what they don't like, and seeing, you know, all of the differences. The big growth actually last year was in Hindi podcasts, which went up more than 14 times. Podcasts in Chinese languages went up eight times and Portuguese went up seven times. English only doubled. Um, but even so, I mean, doubled is still pretty good. So, um, yeah, so it was interesting seeing that. There's a bunch of um, data from ivooks uh, Also... Spanish listeners are to get, you know, more big shows. It was interesting at um, the IAB podcast upfronts last week. PRX was there and uh, Radiotopia, which is part of PRX, was talking about Cantheon Exploder. And Cantheon Exploder is the Spanish language version of Song Exploder. It's going to be produced by Adonde Media, who've done a good job of these sorts of things in the past. And that's going to be pretty cool. So it's great to see more big shows being um, talked about in the uh, Spanish language as well.
1: Yeah, I I think also one of the other ones that you wrote about was uh, Studio Occhenta, which is run by Laurie Martinez. Uh, And she's starting to extend. Now, Laurie, I know because she was at my podcast festival back in March in 2019. And she came across my path through a friend of mine, Minta Dial. And Mm. Laurie um, has taken existing single language podcasts and translated them into multiple languages and that we thought that was a really great thing that she was doing she seems to be doing more of that now as well james
0: yeah she is and she you know i mean it, studio ochenta is a multilingual podcast company based in paris there again i've been calling it ochenta so who knows how it's pronounced uh-oh <laughs> um, but um, one of the podcasts that they make is called ochenta cuentos which is a Spanish anthology series. It's basically fiction stories from across Latin America and its diasporas across the world. And they are looking for pitches for their next stories related to fire uh, in both the literal and figurative sense of the term. Of course, uh, quite a lot of Spain is on fire at the moment, so um, there, there's, a, there's a thing. Anyway, um, that pitch uh, process is open now, and you'll find links to that in the Pod News website. Again, I think uh, looking at just the growth in terms of um, additional language podcasts here is really interesting. And certainly the amount of additional content which is uh, going on here is good too.
1: Yeah, as I said, I was talking about Minter as well, who's a a friend of the show. He signed up with Evergreen Podcasts. But one of the things that's interesting about Minter, he, he publishes both his podcast in English and in French. Uh, He's fluent in seven languages, so it's not surprising. Gosh. Yeah. What do you think? Next week we publish this one in French or Hindi. What what should we go for, James?
0: (laughs) I think that may be a difficult thing. Although um, (laughs) I am working on something with Brian Barletta from Sounds Profitable, uh, which uh, is going to be very cool, where you may hear me talking a different language. I'm not fluent in any other language, but you may hear me talking... In a different language in the future, Um, I will say no more on that because uh, obviously it's Brian's story, not mine. Um, But uh, let's wait and see how that bit works. I look forward to that Klingon episode. (laughs) Klingon. Hey, well, there we are. Uh, SiriusXM. Yes. You cannot be serious. Simplecast
1: founder and CEO Brad Smith has been promoted. He's been named head of podcast products for Sirius. Now, I know Brad from talking to him on SamTalks Technology, and I've asked him if he'll come on our show here. Uh, So, yes, I expect we will have brad on podland in the next few weeks but what i couldn't understand and maybe you know and then maybe we'll ask brad in a few weeks time mm. what are they doing i mean i i don't use sirius uh i'm not based in the us uh i have used pandora in the past i don't use stitcher but it's obviously very good and it's got ads there What are they trying to become? What is this new entity that Brad's heading up?
0: Well, uh, and I think this is a really interesting look at how consolidation is going on uh, in the US. So you've got some companies, for example, iHeart, who own a bunch of podcast producers. They also have their own radio stations, of course. They own Triton Digital. They own uh, RCS. uh, They own, you know, all kinds of weird and wonderful uh, people. But they are all separate companies. So they're not, you know, you don't necessarily see Triton working uh, massively hard with other bits of the iHeartRadio Worlds. that's not typically how these sorts of things work. But what SiriusXM has been doing is very much taking the acquisitions that they've made over the last two or three years and now really pulling those together very, very strongly. So all of a sudden, SiriusXM, from a point of view of ad sales, has pulled all of their ad sales people from Stitcher and Midroll and also from Pandora, who have a big local sales force, and for the SiriusXM satellite radio stations as well. All of those are now together as one. They're called SXM Media, which is very difficult to say very fast. And then you also have, um, in terms of the content side, you're seeing Brad Smith now, who is uh, responsible for podcast strategy across all of those platforms, across SiriusXM, Pandora, Stitcher, and AdSwiz, both for strategy for creators and also for listeners as well. Um, So really good to end up seeing that uh, happening. SiriusXM just posted their numbers, and I believe that they had $8 billion worth of revenue. It's some ridiculous high figure. So SiriusXM is doing very, very well, although, you know, those satellites aren't going to fly themselves. But I think, you know, um, uh, if you own lots of different companies in the same kind of area, making sure that they all work together makes an awful lot of sense. Mm, I look forward to hearing from Brad as well.
1: I think that M&A thing we're going to see a lot more of, I guess, in 2022. In the UK, there must be something in the water, right? I've decided, because Jerry Edwards started a podcast radio station. It was his brainchild, along with Paul Chandler, a 35-year veteran of the radio industry, and they've done really well, actually. Uh, I think you're featured on on there as well, aren't you?
0: Yes, you can listen to pod news updates every single day um, on podcast radio, which you can pick up in uh, most uh, large bits of the UK. Of course, we had Jerry Edwards on this very podcast way, way back at the beginning, uh, and uh, he seems to be going very, very well. My understanding is that he's talking about international expansion for the podcast radio brand as well so that would be interesting to see how that works You've ended up doing something exciting as well in terms of podcast-first radio station. I saw this beautiful press release from Wooshka uh, talking about uh, all of the clever things that you're doing. You've got 20 subject-focused, hour-long shows, which you turn into podcasts, and you're doing all kinds of things with your your radio station, aren't you?
1: Yeah, we started to look at what was radio. Now, you've got a great radio newsletter and podcast as well, and you've got a, you're a veteran of the industry so you know i'm sure you're going to tell me i'm the... makes me feel old <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm sure you're going to tell me i'm smoking crack in a minute but um jerry jerry did inspire me with what he was doing with podcast radio and i sat down with my fellow directors and said look i just don't believe music is the future of radio i think Uh, kids certainly that are in my household and many of their friends use Spotify or Amazon or iTunes to listen to music or YouTube then you know even more so TikTok and I don't think radio is the way with music but I do think talk radio and and that speech-based radio is the way going forward now what we did was we decided to create one hour only long shows now Most radio stations create two, three hour long radio programs, which aren't very podcastable uh, unless you're Joe Rogan, of course. So we've created 21 hour shows. We're going to extend that to 30, possibly more. And what we do is we use Wooshka to help us take our live stream and directly add that to apple spotify google and other platforms mm. and it works brilliantly i don't have to touch it it's one of you know listening to you last week how do you make save time where well, you automate everything well for me automating creating those podcasts was the best thing i did with wooshka because it means that i don't have to touch it once i've set it up it automatically creates and publishes out and we've got the River Radio channel on Apple, um, and they're all on Spotify. And yeah, it's working. The next stage for us is we've got sponsors rather than ads. We're not going to be doing advertising to break up the content. Mm. Um, And we'll see how it goes. That's our plan anyway.
0: Yeah, no, I think that makes a bunch of sense. I think all of the data that I've seen over the last year or so has shown that talk radio is on the ascendant. Talk radio is is, uh, increasing and that's um, radio with talk rather than the format of talk radio. And uh, music radio doesn't necessarily seem to be increasing particularly much. So so, you know and there was a point uh, this time last year where i was having a look at the radio data and um, you know Brisbane relatively unaffected by the pandemic. Um, you, you was uh, you, you know it was interesting looking at their data and then looking at Melbourne's data, which has been in lockdown and was in lockdown uh, back during that particular radio survey. And what you could see in Melbourne particularly was just a tremendous growth in the amount of listening to speech radio to talk radio, whether it was the local ABC station, whether it was. Three um, uh, A W or whatever it might have been, um, but you also saw a lot of music radio stations going down as people, you know, were just tuning in for human beings, for a, a shared experience and a human connection. So, um, yeah, I think that that's absolutely the right thing to go. And I think uh, you know more radio stations which aren't just a jukebox uh, that i can't control and instead have human beings on there is always a good plan we, we will see i'll let
1: you know in 12 months time if i'm still alive and kicking now <laughs> time now james for
0: boostergram corner and
2: now it's time for the boost boost boost, boost! boost. <coughs>
0: boostergram corner
2: it's too much
0: yes we've uh, received boostergrams this week so thank you for those dave jones uh, sent through twenty one thousand sats on Castomatic, and uh, you remember we called him the Pod Bro uh, this time last week. And he says uh, he he sent through a mega boostergram from the Pod Bro. Although uh, Kyron has other ideas, hasn't he? Yes, he does. I personally feel the
1: Pod Sage fits Dave better. He's too wise and calm to be a bro. Pod
0: Sage, thanks, Karad. Dave Jones, the Pod Sage. <laughs> that sounds like a wise plan. Uh, Dave Jackson also says thank you for the mention. Would love to come on the show. Five hundred sats sent through Fountain. Hooray! Thank you very much, Dave. We'd love to have you. I should, uh, you know, get get on to sending that email. Dave Jones again sent another mega boostergram, talking about being very excited that he was number nine in the Pod News Ranker. Uh, so that's a lovely thing. Uh, again, using uh, cast o And we had one from Dave Jones's um, friend at the other end, uh, the podfather himself, didn't we? Yes,
1: he says, podcasting to the O, episode 52, shout out. Yes, and he sent us 1,089 sats. Thanks, Adam.
0: Yes, I wonder what 1089 sats is. That is that a reference to Radio 1, do you think? Oh, God. 1089, <laughs> 1053? <laughs> yes. Who knows? There's some numerology going on there. Um, but uh, thank you. Thank you, Adam. And thank you for using Podfriend uh, for that. Um, I did say that we would say how much Sats we've earned so far. So I just uh, went to have a look, and we have earned four hundred seventy-six thousand sats so far. In case you're wondering how much that's worth, that is worth two hundred and thirty US dollars. So that's how much so far we have earned from boostergrams and from uh, the listening to our show using uh, sats per minute. Uh, That is a a nice amount. And given that it's still really, really early days, uh, I thought it might be useful to know how much money uh, that we have earned uh, so far, or rather how much crypto we've earned so far, 476,028 sats. Of course, it'll be more by the time this actually goes out. So um, thank you if you have given us some uh, sats and uh, I end up sharing uh, half of those or will end up sharing half of those with Mr Sethi, my friend at the other end. Uh, So that would be a good thing. Well, I'm going to donate them back to you for the Repatriate James to Britain fund uh, to get you over here. (laughs) Well, uh, that's all dependent on the Australian government. Uh, But I trust them. I'm sure that they know what they're doing. Um, So what do you do with Satoshi's? Uh, Once you've actually earned them. If you have um, made your podcast value for value enabled, what can you actually do with that, uh, Sam? Uh, Stick them up on your wall.
1: decorate them, (laughs) hand them out for pizza and then find out they're worth 500 million quid later.
0: None of that? No? Okay, what do you do, James? There's a really nice tool that I discovered um, which is called Moon. Uh, I'll tell you what the uh, URL is. Paywithmoon.com It's a way for you to transfer SATs into a single-use Visa card. So say you are on a website and they want to charge you, I don't know, $6.99 for some um, you know cable that you want and you and you want to go oh, well actually I'd rather pay for that $6.99 with uh, my cryptocurrency so what this paywithmoon.com thing lets you do is it lets you transfer just $6.99 worth of cryptocurrency onto something that looks like a Visa card so that you can just pay, you know, Amazon or Walmart or whatever it is that you want to pay, which is a really smart idea. There are other ways of doing that. There's a website called BitRefill, which works um, in quite a lot of countries. What BitRefill allows you to do is is, uh, take uh, Bitcoin or sats and turn those into gift cards. And those are fine. And you can turn, you know, something into a gift card for $20. But you're never buying stuff which is exactly $20, are you? Um, Which is why I thought that this moon thing was uh, quite a neat idea. Um, That moon thing for the moment is US only, and it does require some form of weird Chrome extension on your browser. But uh, still, uh, maybe worth a look if you're wondering how to spend some of those sats that you have. Paywithmoon.com. Are
1: there any other alternatives? I mean, you know, it's US only. Is there another way you can do it?
0: I mean, apart from BitRefill, I mean, obviously, you know, that you, you can uh, transfer them into something like, you know, Coinbase or, or another one where you can then, you know, just um, transfer it out into Fiat, into your own Um, currency. Um, So you can do that. Typically, that doesn't necessarily work too well um, because you have to pay quite a lot to get your bitcoins out. You have to pay $20 or so to send your bitcoins over. Whereas um, what moon the way that moon is working is that it is using the roughly 3% um, credit card fees that it gets to keep it um, fee free for you as a user so you're not actually paying anything to transfer your SATs into into a visa card it turns out that the retailer is uh, paying their normal credit credit card charge instead, which uh, Moon obviously keeps a fair amount of. So, um, yeah, so it's just just a little bit of a different way of doing it. I suppose you could always take them to
1: El Salvador, James, now that the Bitcoin's the official currency of the country.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Maybe you could. Maybe you could take them to El Salvador, uh, their president... Uh, Nayib Bukele says that it will s- help Salvadorans save about $400 million, which is spent on commissions and uh, bank charges. Uh, so maybe, but uh, it's not necessarily working as well as, uh, as it might be. But uh, yeah, interesting to uh, see what uh, El Salvador are doing. Um, wouldn't necessarily copy them quite yet, but who yeah. knows?
1: There are rumours that uh, America will start a stable coin called the Eagle as their currency. Anyway, what's wrong with a dollar? That's for another podcast.
0: Anyway, there are more. Uh, there are more tools uh, supporting value for value, aren't there? Yeah,
1: JustCast now supports value for value and sound bites, which we were talking about earlier. So, well done there and. Have you used JustCast at all, James?
0: Um, I haven't. They're a a good-looking podcast hosting solution. The clever thing with them is that they use things like Dropbox uh, to host your audio. So you're not actually buying audio space from uh, JustCast directly. You're using something that you already have, which might be a free Dropbox account. So that's quite a neat um, plan, I think. Now, I called up uh, earlier this week with Alex Jacobi uh, to talk
1: about a new data standard he's proposing for data analytics to move your data from one host to the other. I started off by asking uh, where he is in the world
3: and what's he proposing? You find me in Germany and I'm an audio entrepreneur from Germany. I'm running four companies, which are all more or less audio centric since my whole life in audio production. And, and and two things I'm very passionate about is podcasting. So I'm running a service that helps newspapers record their podcasts and publish their podcasts through an, like hosting and, and recording infrastructure. And I'm involved in a very interesting project that tries to bring the fragmented broadcast structure in Germany together to find one way to measure podcast plays in a way that we can build a currency for advertisers. Because we see the problem that even if you use IAB compliant reporting, you can have results with the log files that differ by 15%. And this is something advertisers do not accept. And we're involved with a gathering. It's called the ACMA, the the Arbeitsgemeinschaft Marktanalyse. So it's a gathering of all the public broadcast stations and all the private broadcasters in Germany. And they are building a standard together to build a trusted way of measuring a podcast. Wow. Okay. So apart from just doing your day job and doing that
1: job, you're also involved in a new project as well, which is evolving around
3: a standard that you're proposing. Absolutely. maybe you can tell us about what that is. Absolutely. So what we are proposing is an open analytics standard for podcasters and podcast hosts. So we learned from our work in the standardization that there is a huge pain for podcasters who want to move from one hoster to another hoster because they usually lose their analytics. And even being on the business side, an owner of a podcast hosting service, Um, I do think it's very important that we do not hold hostage of the data of our clients and that we make podcast analytics data, which belongs to the clients, as portable as you can, for example, in Germany, port your cell phone number from one provider to another. So what we are proposing is that all the hosts come together and build an open standard, which is nothing technically complicated that allows publishers to get their data back, to take ownership of their data and to make it portable from one hoster to another. Because what we think is that if publishers have the freedom to choose a host that really fits their needs, and there are so many amazing companies out there that have a very different idea of how podcast hosting could work, I do think our whole industry could really win and, and really get the next boost we need to professionalize what we love.
1: Yeah, data portability is part of what Europe did with the GDPR yeah. um, as a requirement. So are, is it basically your premise that people can have their data, but they get it in so many different ways, that it yeah. doesn't make it transferable? And that means that if you move from one host to the next, suddenly that data, although you own it and have it, can't be uploaded and utilized, is that the problem?
3: Exactly, that's the problem. There are two ideas. So for the German measurement, we we really rely on raw server log files, which is something that is pretty hard to make portable because it's a pretty complex thing. So what we're thinking of is there are some hosts that allow you to export your place via a CSV file, for example. And what we're thinking about is that we host us just come together and and find an agreement about how we structure these experts. And probably if we enable our clients to import that back. And if we put this on an open source basis, it could be something where the whole community probably brings podcast analytics to a new level because we're stuck at log file analysis, which is not very sufficient for advertisers. The data we have is not the data we would love to have. And having all the power and all the hosts and all the people working decentralized together on an open source project seems like a huge chance for the whole industry to me. Yeah. So where have you got
1: to so far then with this? Is there an actual proposal on the table? Is there a document that people can read? Is there a website people can go to? Where are we so far with this then?
3: We're actually very early in the process. We're in the process that we proposed our idea for the first time in public. I used a blog I'm writing for where we're at the column and we're very early in the process. So there is no finished paper, but I do think this has to be a collaborative process. I would be more than happy to connect with likewise technology providers, podcast lovers around the world And I do think this has to be built collaboratively. I don't think building an open source project starts very good with me building a 10 page white paper. It it should be a collaborative process where everyone's on the table can have their impact. Uh, So it's very early in the process. And I do think we definitely need, whether it be a LinkedIn group or, or, or whatever, but I don't care about the way how we collaborate as long as we do collaborate. Okay, so let's assume that
1: people want to get involved. uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of people who do. What's the first step? Can they go to a website and register their interest or look at some of the proposals? Is there a forum where people can get involved? Or do they just contact you directly? And is that the starting point?
3: So what we're going to do is that we're going to open up a LinkedIn. And I will probably provide you the link later on there. And I do think this is a very good idea to start and to start discussing our ideas. Later on, we must have a website for sure. And I do think we definitely have to go start in working collaborative, be it on GitHub or or a MyRobot or whatever. So what I'm going to provide is, is is the LinkedIn group. And I'm super happy for everyone joining there and, and, and bringing their ideas into the discussion. Probably you, you could include them in your show notes. And yeah, we, we could all come together around the world. Yeah, we certainly will include them in the show notes. What are the
1: type of data points that we want to take out of data from one host to the other? Are there some standards that are across the board given? Obviously, the clients that are coming, countries that are being accessed. Have you a list? Have we we even started creating the list of the data points that we want
3: to capture? It's a super interesting question. And the deeper you dig into it, the more complex it gets. So it starts with very simple. For sure, I want to have my place. The, The interesting thing is that we have to bridge a lot of different interests there. So, for example, in Europe with GDPR, you usually have to anonymize IP addresses. So, probably geodata is not as accurate as you have it in the States or or, or in other jurisdictions, uh, for example. Getting that done will be one of the major uh, things we have to do in this open source group. We probably can all agree that having that standard that shows me it's that podcast it has this, this many probably IAB compliant plays on that day will be the most basic thing we can talk about. It's probably also 80% of the answers people have in podcasts. If we dig deeper and say, let's say, device data, like was it an iPhone, was it on the website, is something where a lot of podcast hosts have a very similar idea of reporting it. And I could think of a pretty simple way to find an agreement how to do it. It it gets complicated if there are several hosts who have a reason to handle it differently and probably have a very good reason from their point of view to handle it differently. And you have to find an agreement. I do think it's something we really have to get done together. So the place about the episode, about the time, I don't think that's negotiation. Everything else has to be thought of, how can we do it? How will we handle the non-accurate geodata in Europe versus the more accurate geodata in the States? Um, Will we handle devices? And will it be just like an open file of a billion devices on the planet? Or are we starting to aggregate? But this is when stuff really gets complex. And I do think the whole collective has to solve it and not one person like me come up here in a podcast and tell the world how to do it. So I'm more about to learn how we can find a common ground than to tell the world what I think should be done. I think a good place that I've seen done
1: obviously is Adam Curry and Dave Jones with the podcast namespace 2.0. I love how Dave broke down the problem into four or five chunkable steps so he said, look, this is step one. We're going to just do these three or four things, then step two. And they right. created a disk chat group and invited people into that. And then they created a GitHub so that it was all open source, that anyone could then take the data and, and apply it themselves to it or make recommendations. So I think that's that's probably one of my best examples of, I've seen of how that's been done recently. The the other one was the podcast taxonomy, which is around jobs and standardization of jobs. And I think that's been a great example of as well. So, look, this is a brilliant initiative, Alex. I'm also thinking that there, there is a, a sort of standard, which will be the 1.0, which is the transportability standard, which allows you to export and import between different hosts. But I can also imagine then you can extend that to a version 2.0, which is what are the extra, I guess, data points that we want to capture that are not currently being captured that might be the things we want to do alex thank you so much now just before you go can you tell everyone where they might be able to get hold of you so we can also add it to the show notes as well
3: yes best way to get hold of me is you can find me on linkedin my name is alex jacobi j-a-c-o-b-i And I'd be super happy to hear from you. I will post the forum. And I really like the idea with the Discord. Probably we might even set up a Discord later to to have more detailed discussions about the whole topic. Yeah, so find me on LinkedIn. And I'll be super happy to connect with everyone. And Sam, thank you so much for the chance to talk about our ideas in your podcast. Uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much.
0: Alex Jacobi talking about um, sharing uh, podcast uh, analytics data and that sort of thing. Uh, there's been other uh, attempts to do that in the past, but I think certainly anything that keeps podcast data a little bit more open and a little bit more less likely to be tampered with is always a good plan. So um, I wish him all the best.
1: Yeah, we'll have in the show notes a link to the discussion forum that he's going to start around it. So If you're interested in that space, please join him. Sounds good. Now, let's list a few events that are going on. The first event, it sounds like, uh, is the NAB, James.
0: Yes, the first event isn't going on. Uh, It's the NAB show, the great big conference thing that takes place every year in Las Vegas. Um, It normally takes place earlier on in the year. They shifted it to October, -October. mid-October. I think it starts on October the 9th, actually, so depending on what you call mid. But they've literally cancelled it just today for a second year. A number of major exhibitors pulled out. Uh, It was to have a podcasting section. I know that I think Libsyn were going to be there and Blueberry were going to be there. And, uh, you know, a great shame to see them I have to say, you know, if you are cancelling a big event such as that with 90,000 people going to it within three weeks, as they've done here, you know, that takes quite some courage. So, um, you know, I feel for the folks at the NAB show there.
1: Yeah, Uh, well, I'm sure they'll come back strong in 2022, let's hope. Okay, so the next event that's on the calendar is Radio Days Europe, which is going to take place in Lisbon in Portugal. On October the 9th to the 11th. Have you been to that one?
0: I have been to every single Radio Days Europe, apart from this one coming up. Uh, so I'm very annoyed that I can't be there. One of the people who will be there is podcasting's friend, Tom Webster from Edison Research. Uh, he is uh, one of the speakers there. I think that should be really good. You can buy virtual tickets or you can be there in person if you like. And Portugal has beaten Malta and somewhere else. Uh, exciting uh, to be the country in the world with the most vaccinated people in there. So um, if you want a, a wonderfully safe place to go, then uh, Lisbon in Portugal is probably that place, although obviously you've got to get there on a plane. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that should be good. And, um, if you're not going there, then, uh, you could maybe go to Scottsdale in Arizona.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Our friends there, they're going to be running She Podcasts live in person. Uh, and yeah, tickets are available from the website and I'll put the link in the show notes.
0: Indeed. And then you have uh, Podfest Origins, which is the next Podfest event. What they're doing is they have an in-person event, which is going to be in Tampa in Florida. Uh, in early November. And at the end of October, they have a virtual event, October 28th to November the 3rd, um, which is quite a nice way of doing it. So basically, they're splitting it uh, to have one virtual event and then one in-person event. And um, I've been to a Podfest in Florida uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, it was a very nice, very enjoyable experience. So looking forward to to you know hopefully making one of those again but certainly best of luck if you're going to that in tampa in florida Mm. now
1: lastly the australian podcast awards have announced new partners and their judging lineup anyone you know on it james
0: uh, anybody I know on it. Uh, I I know one of the judges. That's me. Um, <laughs> do I know what I'm judging yet? No. And even if I did, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'd have to kill you. Um, but uh, yes, looking forward to judging that. Um, they've also signed a number of uh, gold partners and things. Well, they, they, they've signed a gold partner, which is Listener, the Listener app. Um, the sponsor of the public vote uh, category is Listener as well. And a Acast is the title sponsor. Um, so, um, you know, uh, lots of other people um, supporting the Australian Podcast Awards, including Spotify, iHeart Podcast Network Australia, the Nova Entertainment Podcast Network, Podfollow and Podnews. Uh, so uh, all of those fine, fine people um, are uh, sponsoring that. But it's a great event. Looking forward to taking part in that. There's going to be another annoyingly virtual podcast, um, awards ceremony, uh, happening for that, um, probably in November. Um, but it's a great awards. I think it's been going for, I think this is its fifth year. I think that, that might be right. And if you are an Aussie listening to this, then good day. You've got until the 20th of September at midday Sydney time. To enter, so make sure that you do that. Or indeed, at midday Melbourne time, uh, be there or 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 don't. Basically, now other other
1: podcasts that we've been listening to, um, I just wanted to highlight one. Um, I I love listening back to some old podcasts as well, and I listened to Buzzcast episode fifty eight. I don't normally uh, find some of the Content, you know, when it because it's very good, but it's all about some of the newbie stuff. But I did really enjoy listening to episode fifty-eight with Fatima Zaidi, who's the CEO of Quill Podcasting, and she was talking about all the different ways they go about uh, producing podcasts, promoting podcasts. She had a great way of how you can actually get your podcast listed very high very quickly on Apple. I won't spoil it. You have to listen to the show. So yeah, just going to recommend if you have time. Switch
0: back to episode 58 of Buzzcast and check out um, Fatima Zaidi. Which is the excellent podcast from Buzzsprout, uh, one of our sponsors. So thank you to them for that. Um, I'm not going to talk about a podcast, but I will talk about a new Discord community, which I've discovered. It's called Advancing Podcasting. It's something that Evo Terra has been doing. And um, I think you're absolutely right that there's lots and lots and lots of stuff out there for the newbie podcaster. But uh, what Evo does with Podcast Pontifications and now with this new advancing podcasting Discord group is um, really aimed at people that know what they're doing but just want to get better at it. Uh, and I've really enjoyed the discussions um, in that particular area. So it's, it's well worth having a play with. Um, you'll find links to that on the Podcast Pontification website. James, what else has been happening for you in Podland this week? So last week, I ended up on Friday, I ended up sitting by the banks of the Brisbane River, uh, in a beautiful sort of 27 degree heat, um, talking to Kyren, uh for over two hours uh, for his Mere Mortals podcast. Uh, it's a great podcast. That'll be coming out in a couple of weeks time, I believe. So um, worth uh, keeping an eye out for that. But very much enjoyed doing that and very much enjoyed actually being out and seeing people. Uh, so that was um, so that was a good thing. Uh, what, what's happening for you uh, over the next few weeks, Sam? Uh, hopefully, launching a few more podcasts uh, on
1: on my radio station and uh, announcing a fairly big sponsor for
0: the Old Spice Boys. Oh, very good! It's not Walker's Crisps, is it? It's the other one. <laughs> it's, the, it's the other one. <laughs> That's all you're getting. Yes, whatever. That's the exclusive. Yes, whatever that means. <laughs> and that's it for this week thank you to our guests Oscar Mary from Fountain and Alex Jacoby from Sonarbird you can come back to Podland next week we'll have special guests Richard Kramer who's an analyst from Arete Research please follow us in your podcast app and on Twitter
1: at Podland News where you can tweet a comment about this week's show or tweet us a question for next week's show You'll also find previous shows on the web at all your favourite podcasting hosts or at podland.news.
0: And if you'd like daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter is free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app. And all of the stories we've talked about on Podlands today are taken from this week's Pod News. And all of the links are in the show notes. Our music is from Ignite Jingles. And we're hosted
1: and sponsored by our good friends Buzzsprout and Riverside FM.
0: And also thank you to Headliner for your support and keep listening.